Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If I were to ask you, uh, what is your impression of the 23rd Psalm? I have no scientific evidence to back up what I'm fixing to say, but I would willing, I'd be willing to bet that most of us would associate it with a funeral because it's where it's most often we hear the 23rd Psalm at a funeral. And the words are to comfort us and, and reassure us, and, and especially if the person was a Christian, it reassures us about that you know, they have ended this life, but this person's in heaven. And I think sometimes we do a disservice to this psalm because it's not a funeral song. And, and, and I think sometimes we, we just reduce it to, okay, that's the psalm you read when things are bad, when, when you're sad. And I do think there may be some truth to that, but I, so I wanna, today we wanna rethink the 23rd Psalm, so I need to go a disclaimer up front. If we really, really wanted to, we could spend like six weeks going through what we're gonna do in 25 or 30 minutes. Okay, so I'm gonna give you some homework because I don't have six weeks right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want you, I'm going to encourage you, I'm asking you to begin tomorrow and read the 23rd Psalm every day. I want you to think of the 23rd Psalm like a prescription. If you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a prescription to take medication, if you really want to get better, you'll take the medicine. If you don't, you won't. Most of us, if you're going to take the time to go to the doctor when he gives you that paper, or in some cases, stacks of paper, uh, you're going to take the medicine. My, I have a, I'm on a low dosage, for example, of this blood pressure medicine, not because I have blood pressure issues, but because my mom does, my dad did, my brother did, and my doctor says, well, you know what, your family history says we need to get ahead of the curve on this. So I've been on this for quite a while. So I can trust that he knows what he's talking about, or I can go, you know what? I'm good. I don't need this. So this is kind of like going to the doctor's office. And the 23rd Psalm is a prescription for a person who is in uncharted waters. Life is uncertain. Um, you find yourself in a desert. You find yourself underwater. 
You find yourself struggling in a relationship. Your family's falling apart. Your kids are going crazy. Your relationship with your parents is kind of nuts. You, you're uncertainty at work, uncertainty in this world. And we talked about, if you were here last week, we talked about in the 100th Psalm about the certainty in this life of God. And the 23rd Psalm reinforces the certainty of God in our life. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, is take these things we're going to talk about today and spend one day focusing on that and what, and what God provides for you in that regard. And I hope it makes sense as we go. But here's what we need to understand about the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is a declaration of victory over darkness. That's what it is. It's not about, it's not about death. It's not about being sad. It's a declaration of victory and darkness. And it is a reminder of something I talk about over and over and over again, that God is greater than anything we face in this planet. Whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, whatever you've been through, God is greater than that. God is greater than the mess you've made of your life. God's greater than the mess I've made of my life. And God's greater than the mess that other people and circumstances make of our life. Sometimes, as we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, sometimes our mess is our mess because we caused it. Sometimes our mess is caused by someone else or something else. And the 23rd Psalm is a declaration that the Lord is sovereign, that he's victorious over darkness and greater than what we face in our lives. So we're going to start off dissecting the 23rd Psalm today, okay? Like I said, we could spend weeks doing this. We're going to do it in just a little bit of time. So here's the first thing we want to talk about. The very first five words, maybe the most important words in the Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Not the Lord is a shepherd. Not that the Lord is the shepherd. Not that the Lord is one of many shepherds to follow. Not that if you go searching around and, and you, don't like, you, know, if you don't like this guy, you don't like this guy, eventually the Lord might be your shepherd, but he's one of many. The Lord is my shepherd. And David, calling on his time as a shepherd, who understands the importance of the role of a shepherd in the life of a sheep, more importantly, the role of the sheep in the life of the shepherd, David declares that he has no other allegiance, he has no other Lord, he has no other master, that all he is is because of who God is in his life. The Lord is my shepherd. Charles Spurgeon is an um, old uh, preacher from, from England, and he said this once about the, this psalm. He said, if he is a shepherd to no one else, he is a shepherd to me. He cares for me, watches over me, and preserves me. And so... David understands that sheep need a shepherd. And he declares, when he says the Lord is my shepherd, it is a declaration of his personal relationship with God. And that's what that means. When you say the Lord is my shepherd, not a shepherd, not the shepherd, not one of many shepherds, the Lord is my shepherd, you are declaring that the Lord is the Lord of your life. Now, Jesus kind of talks about this the same way, takes the same thought with a, with a different, from a different side. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd long before Jesus would die on the cross. David understood the relationship that God would have and should have in his life through Jesus. What it means when you strip it all down is this. When you say the Lord is my shepherd, it means this. I know the Lord. 
And maybe more importantly than that, the Lord knows me. That's what that means. I am, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. It's, it's possessive, right? You own it. Now, it doesn't mean he can't be someone else's shepherd because that's not how that works. You know, my car is my car until my wife wants to drive it, then it's our car. All right? It don't matter who's paying for it. I can say it's mine, mine, mine all the time. So my brother and I, used to, when, when we got married, we, we, would tell our, we told um, Crystal and Hannah that this, we believe in the Aiken ethic of things, which goes like this. What's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine. Now, 31 years in, that hadn't sunk in yet. But, you know, but this possessive thing is the Lord is mine. He, he is, it's, I'm taking ownership of my relationship with God, which is the other side of that. And it leads to the question, and this is the question we need to ask, is the Lord your shepherd? Is he your shepherd? Is, or is he just a shepherd? Here, here's, here's how you know. If he's your shepherd, he's your shepherd every day. And if he's not your shepherd every day, then he's not your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, the shepherd, there, there's some things that come with this relationship that we have with the shepherd. And one of the things that we understand is the Lord is my provider. The Lord is my provider. David says it this way, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. This is the new living. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He provides for me. I love the way the new living says, I have all that I need. How often in life do we say those words? I have all that I need. I've told y'all before, when, when my family gathers together and everyone's under one roof, I, I always often say to the Lord, you know, this is all I really need right here. And I'm good when we're all together. I don't care about all the other stuff. This, this, I'm good with this. A provider is someone who supplies your needs, who, who equips you to do what you need to do, who supports you. And so what David is saying is the Lord provides for us, equips us, and supports us. That he is our shepherd. And you know what? He provides in particular some things we really, really need. He provides rest, he provides peace, and he provides renewal. Sometimes, and we talked about this um, a few weeks back, sometimes you need a place to catch your breath, and that's what the Lord is. Sometimes you just need to rest. And the Lord provides that rest we need. Sometimes the Lord needs to be a shelter and sometimes he needs to be a fortress and whatever he, you need him to be, he's that for you. And he provides rest for us. But he also provides peace. And if you've gone through anything troubling in your life or tough in your life and you have felt the peace of the Lord through the whole thing, you know how reassuring it is to have peace in the chaos of the situation and of the moment. Because Moments are chaotic. Life is uncertain. But in the chaos and in the moment, the Lord provides peace for us. And sometimes we need a fresh start. Sometimes we just need to regroup and say, you know what, Lord, I, I just need to start over. And the good shepherd provides renewal for us. 
And that's what he wants to do for us. So, so here's the question. Once again, we could spend weeks talking about just these things breaking them apart, but we don't have weeks. So let me ask you this question once again. Is the Lord providing rest in your life? Is the Lord providing peace in your life? This is, this is kind of harsh, but you know, I'm kind of to the point. So let me just say this. No peace generally means no God. Not that he's not present, but we're just kind of keeping him at arm's length. But when you know peace in your life, it's because you're leaning into the Lord in a stressful and tough situation. Don't know if you need renewal? He does. And he provides it for us. The question is, are you trusting him to provide for you? Because that's what he wants to do. But beyond that, David tells us, the Lord is my God. And we all need a God. He says this, he guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. Now, a God's a really interesting thing. We think of a God sometimes like a GPS. Now, I'm not going to ask who has GPS. If you have a smartphone, you have GPS. And since Howard's not here with his flip phone, we, you know, and that's a whole different deal anyway. So GPS is a cool thing when you don't know where you're going. But you've got to trust the GPS. And sometimes that's kind of what we think about a God is. A God is just someone who gets me where I need to be. Sounds right. But here's the other thing. A good God not only knows where you're going, but he knows what you're going to face as you go. A really good God can get you where you need to be, but also knows what's down the road that you need to prepare for. So a good God might tell you, okay, look, you need this because we're going to encounter this, or you need that because we're going to encounter that. That's what a really good God is, and that's what David is saying. You see, we think of the 23rd Psalm a lot of times as a destination. I think it's why we kind of think of it as a funeral psalm. We think of it as a destination psalm, right? This is about getting to heaven. 23rd Psalm is about how you get to heaven. It's about what you do along the way. He guides me along the path, along the way. Not, he doesn't guide me to the destination. He guides me along the way. I am, as many of you are aware, destination-oriented. I like interstates. I like 77 when it's 70 on the interstate, which is kind of where I set my cruise. Uh, I tell my kids five over, but I'm a grown-up, and they're a little grown-up, so it's kind of what I tell them. I like interstates. I like getting there quick. So in the past 10 months, particularly in the past month and a half, my countless trips back to Hinesville and back, driving through the posts at Fort Stewart. Man, I love that drive. I see something different every time I do that. Every time I drive through, I see something different. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the destination we forget about the journey. The 23rd Psalm is not about the destination, it's about the journey. Philip Yancey says it this way, he, he says this, he says, we do well to remember that the Bible has far more to say about how we live during the journey than about the ultimate destination. This is what he's saying, we think about this. We think about the Bible and we talk about the destinations. There's heaven and there's hell. We all want to go to heaven, we don't want anyone to go to hell. What we know 
is everyone's not going to heaven and everyone's not going to hell, but everyone's going somewhere. Okay, that's the great truth of the Bible. There is a heaven and there is a hell and every person who has breath will spend eternity one place or the other. It's the great truth of the Bible. Jesus didn't talk about heaven and hell a lot. You know, talked about how you live along the way a lot. He talked about how we get along with people. He talked about trusting him along the way. He talked about what happens when, when, when you face uncertainty in life along the way. That's the story of the Gospels. It's about life along the way. Jesus came to show us the way, but he taught us how to live along the way. 23rd Psalm is about life along the way, not about the destination. The question is, is the Lord, are you allowing the Lord to guide you? Is he your God? Is he leading you? Or are you leading him? And so if you don't really, if you're trying to figure out who's leading who, think of it this way. Imagine you're in the car and you know how to get somewhere and you ask your six-year-old to tell you how to get there. If you've ever had a six-year-old, most of us have, or you have a six-year-old now, or you've been a six-year-old, for crying out loud, you know you don't know nothing at six. Some six-year-olds don't know their own address. I remember Brittany being once, um, someone said, how do, you, how do you get to your house? She goes, I don't know. Well, she you know, because my daddy knows. <laughs> Asking Alec, how do you go? Well, will you go this way? I'm like, dude, no, we go that way. Oh, yeah, I don't know that. Sometimes, when we try to lead the Lord, it's like a six-year-old trying to tell you how to get somewhere. It doesn't work. It's not, it's not how it's supposed to be. So is the Lord guiding you, or are you trying to lead him? 23rd Psalm is about how Jesus guides us along the way, but it's also about so much more. It's also about the fact that the Lord is my protector. He's my protector. This is what David says. Even though I walk through the, the dark valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare feast for me in the presence of my enemies. That is really cool. This life is so uncertain. Driving to work is so uncertain. Dropping your kids off at school, so uncertain. Going to work. There is nothing in this planet that is certain except for the love of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the guidance of Jesus and the protection of Jesus and those that he loves. It's the only certainty in this life. And David paints this picture of being in a bad place. Now, if you've ever studied David's life, here, here's kind of what you know. Sometimes David was in a dark valley because he put himself in a dark valley. Talked about that a couple weeks ago. David put himself in a dark valley. Sometimes David found himself in a dark valley because his enemies were around him. Sometimes David found himself in a dark valley because his family rebelled against him. And David doesn't say, even though I'm in a valley, that's my fault. Or I'm in a dark place, that's someone else's fault. Or life's unfair. He says, when I find myself in a dark place in a dark valley regardless of how I got here you are with me 
when you make a mess of your life, the Lord is with you. It'd be easier if he would just stop us before you made a mess, right? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? But if he did, you wouldn't be who you are today. I, I, I've told y'all before, I tell my kids all the time, you can go back and wonder what if, or you can be grateful for the journey that the Lord has put you on. And every good and bad thing you've done because it has made you who you are today. And that's what this psalm is about. So David points some things out. He says his rod, which is his staff, that's kind of his shepherd talk, protects us. He prepares a feast for us. And, he, and because that's true, I have no reason to fear. Now, shepherd's staff was an interesting thing. And, and, and so the historians are kind of interesting. They always say the shepherd's staff is like this eight-foot-long stick. More than likely, shepherd's staff was about two to three feet long. Little thing. Had a hook on the end. It was like a club with a hook on the end. And it was used for, it had a lot of purposes. Running off lions from sheep, pulling sheep out of the water when they're trying to drown themselves, pulling them out of a thicket when they can't get themselves out, killing snakes, protecting your sheep from other robbers, from human beings who want to steal your sheep. You see, the thing is, a two to three foot stick makes a pretty good weapon when you need it. An eight foot thing is really it's hard to navigate that. But it's kind of cool with the edge of the big sticks. And you know, it's very likely that the staff Moses carried was about this long. Not this long. And so David understands from his time as a shepherd, that staff is there to keep me safe. Keep the safe. And so the Lord has this staff, and he didn't have a literal staff, but he understands that he protects us, he keeps us safe. Maybe you find yourself in a tough place. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. Um, I, maybe you find yourself at, a, at the edge of a difficult decision. Maybe you find yourself just wondering. Is the Lord really worth I mean, I've, I'm trying. I'm doing my best, but it just seems like things aren't working out. And I'm kind of on the fence whether I'm going to follow the Lord or not anymore. And maybe you find yourself at a place where you, you, every, you, your family say, man, you need to give your life to Jesus. But you're going, I, I'm thinking about it, but I just don't know if it's worth it. This is what the Lord promises to his children. That he will protect you doesn't mean it's all going to be okay all the time it means whatever happens he will protect you whatever that looks like so here's the question do you live daily as if you know the lord is your protector if you've ever i'm going to show hands has anyone ever done trust fall before if you've ever done trust fall raise your hand anybody a few brave people love it um, I did a trust fall off of an eight-foot wall. Shook the whole time. Because I had teenagers catching me. And I'd been running my mouth right before I climbed up on the wall. I wasn't sure they were going to catch me. But I was the ride home, so I kind of had a little hope, right? But you just, if you've ever done trust fall, you stand, you turn, you fold your arms, you fall back. And you trust the people who are going to catch you are going to catch you. That's what it's like to live is, is when you know the Lord's your protector. 
I may fall, he will catch me. If I hit the ground, he will pick me up. He will protect me when life is crushing. He will protect my soul. And sometimes, as I can attest, and I'm sure you can too, all you really need him to do is protect your soul for a while. That's all you need. So the Lord is our provider. He's our God. He's our protector. But there's, there's another thing we don't really think about with the Lord. And that is the Lord is my gracious host. Now, I am not a gracious host. I am not a host. And I'm gracious most of the time, I think. Crystal's not here, so we're going to go with that, okay? Um, but my wife, she's a host. She is a gracious host. She is an awesome host. And when we have people over or we're doing something, when she's in charge of something, man, she goes out of her way to make sure every little detail is taken care of. Drives me bananas because I'm the detail person. And I don't mean I'm good with details. I'm good with her telling me what to do when I do it. That's kind of how it works. If people are coming to eat, we're not going to have just enough to eat. We're going to have so enough to eat that people can take home or we're eating leftovers for a month. I mean, she is a gracious host. She wants everyone to be taken care of. And I'll bet you know people like that. Man, when, when you go to their house, you know they're just, they're, just, they're, they're a host. And, and you know you're going to be taken care of and they're going to make you feel like you're at home. When you can walk into a house, and I've done this a few times in my time, in my short year here, and you feel like you've been there forever when you walk in the, been in the door two minutes, someone's a pretty good host. It's, it's just the truth. And so this is what David tells us. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint me. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. In the presence of my enemies, you're giving me my most basic need. That's food. Now, it's not a literal meal. I mean, it's a figurative thing we have to understand. But the most comforting thing we do during the day is eat. It's, the, it's, it's, it's just the most comforting thing we do. And, and, and if your family is crazy, and, and maybe you don't eat at the table every day, and, and maybe you eat in front of TV trays, and maybe you're not all together, but when all the family gets together for a meal, that's a great time. And that's what David's talking about. When life is uncertain and, and my enemies are bearing down, the Lord's taking care of my most basic need. He just wants to make sure I'm okay. But he also talks about something else that we kind of miss in this. He says, he anoints my head with oil. Now, David understood that. So let me understand what this, what this is saying, because this is really, really important. David was anointed when he became king. Saul was anointed before he became king. Solomon would be anointed when he became king. Rehoboam would be anointed, his son, when he became king, and so forth and so on. Kings are anointed. And if you are the child of one who was anointed, you are royalty by birth. David's kids were royalty not because they were anointed, but because they were born in under their father who was anointed. And so here's what we need to understand. He is saying that we are God's children. We are royalty because we are children of the king of kings. And you're the child of the king. You are royalty. 
And that's what David wants us to understand. That He says, I am royalty, not because I was anointed, but because of what the Lord is for me. Jesus giving his life for us. Don't dis- we don't deserve it. Can't ask for it. But he makes us his children through the cross. But he also, also the Lord blesses abundantly. And that's a really important thing. The Lord blesses abundantly. Now, let me, let's, let's explain this for, okay, let's kind of go back to school. Abundant means this, present in great quantity, more than adequate, oversufficient. That's abundance. And I like that last one, oversufficient. So David says that in my life, God blesses me beyond what I can imagine. It's not, it's not just what I need, it's, it's abundant. Now, we're going to circle back to that, but hold on, because Paul says it this way. It's the same thought. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 3. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more. You know what immeasurably means? It means you can't, you can't fathom it. You can't picture it. You can't, you can't come up with a number. You can't come up with a variable. God does immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God blesses us beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding, beyond the depths of our relationship with him. He just blesses us. Now, I've talked about this before, so I want to clarify something and so we understand this. I have said on numerous occasions, and I stand by it and believe it, that sometimes in the moment, God gives you exactly what you need when you need it. He doesn't give you anything less than you need in that moment, and he doesn't give you anything more than you need. He just, he doesn't overwhelm you. He just gives you what you need to get through the day, to take the next step, to do what you have to do. Sometimes that's what God does. But under that umbrella, in your life is this abundant blessing of God that you can't imagine. And if you sat down and you said, I'm going to write out every way God's blessing me, you will run out of paper. And you will run out of ideas. Because what we learn from the 23rd Psalm, what we learn from Paul in Ephesians 3, is we can't measure how God blesses us. Now, and as I say a bunch, and we'll talk about later on in the year, you can't measure every blessing in your life by the number of zeros in your, that are in your checkbook. You can't measure every blessing by what you have when you drive up to your house. But that's where it gets us in trouble. That's where this whole idea of the abundant blessing of God gets us in trouble. Because a lot of people like to look around and go, well, God's blessing this person this way and this family that way, and I don't have what they have, and and I've got more than them. And when we start looking around and comparing what we have, and instead of being grateful for what we have, we start looking at what other people have and getting a little chipped with God because he's not giving us what he's given them. And here's what happens when you do that. You miss out on how God's blessing your life. That's what happens. When you're focused on what God's doing in other people's life, instead of being grateful for what God's doing in other people's life, you miss out on what God's doing in your life. God does not bless every church the same. That's just the fact. God doesn't bless every human being the same. God doesn't bless every family the same. God doesn't bless every business the same. God doesn't bless anything the same. He blesses as he sees fit. And he doesn't explain himself to us. 
But if you're a Christian, you are abundantly and immeasurably blessed. And if you just stop, and I, and I challenge you, if you do th this thing I've asked you to do, and you just spend one day thinking about this, praying about this, you will see how blessed you are. 23rd Psalm is not a funeral psalm. It's a psalm of victory. It's a, psalm, it's a declaration of the greatness of God in victory over death. That's what it is. But I, my favorite part is how he closes. I think the most important words are the first five words. My favorite part are the, are the last two verses. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me, chases me. You, understand, you get that? I mean, it's, he's not just saying, hey, God loves us. I mean, we all know that. God's good, we all know that. David says that God's goodness pursues us. It chases us down. God's love is unfailing and it chases us down. It's not just, hey, it's here. Come get it if you want it. It pursues us every single day. Surely your goodness and failing love will pursue me when my life is falling apart. Surely your goodness and failing love will pursue me when I feel like I'm alone. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me when nothing makes sense. And surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me when I feel like I'm in pieces on the inside. Because that's the promise of the creator of the universe. There's one way to claim it. And there's only one way. And that's to be his child. This is a promise for God's children. It's not a promise for everybody. That's tough. But that's the way it is. If you're a parent, you get that. There's a lot of stuff you promise your kids you aren't promising other people's kids. I'll take care of my kids. If when my kids were, were young and the building was burning, I'd knock people down to find my kids. That little granddaughter, I'd knock my kids down to find her. Doesn't mean I don't love other kids. Doesn't mean I don't love other people. It means that it's different with mine. It's different. Everything changes when you understand your relationship with God and what it means. 23rd Psalm is a declaration of God's greatness, of his love, of his goodness, of his provision, of his guidance, of his protection, of his abundance in our life and the promises there every day, if we just claim it. Lord, we are, um, so often we get so caught up in the things that are happening in our life and we stop paying attention to the things that you're doing because we get so caught up in, in the, the bad things. We get so caught up in what's going on in other people's life. Sometimes we just forget that every breath is a blessing. That every step is a blessing. That every day we get to go to work is a blessing. That every day we get to spend time with our kids is a blessing or our grandkids is a blessing. Every time we get to spend time with people we love, it's a blessing. 
Every time we, we eat a meal, it's a blessing. You bless us in ways that we don't even think about. You bless us in obvious ways. You bless us in ways we, we don't see. You bless us in ways we can't understand because your blessing in our life is abundant and immeasurable. But I'm so grateful that when, we, when the Lord is my shepherd, when the Lord is our shepherd, that your goodness and your love will pursue me to my last breath. And it's on our last breath that we get to spend eternity with you. And that's the promise. So we, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and unfailing love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.